Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Lord, to not only show us the way, but to claim for us a place with you in heaven, so that as we stand and wander as sojourners, we know that you give us a place to belong with you in heaven for all eternity. Lord, we would ask this day that you break your words small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. This morning I would invite you to turn your attention to our epistle lesson, the second reading of our worship this day, if you have brought your Bible along with you, or if you follow along on your phone or in the bulletin that is printed for you. As we look at Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 17. This is one of those passages that we like to sometimes pull pieces of out of context. The author of Hebrews this morning writes in verse 2 and says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Last week, we had this theme and kind of thread of heavenly hospitality that spoke through our gospel text, which was almost in confliction to what its intent was. Last week, Jesus had been asked the question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he tells the people to strive to enter through the narrow door. And then goes on to say that those who will be with him from the east and the west and the north and the south, they will come and they will recline at table in the kingdom of God. And there is this sense of heavenly hospitality that is set before us from God himself. And then in our reading today, we get that flipped a little bit as the author of Hebrews calls us to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And if we stop right there, then everything seems to be this really awesome hospitality text and we should just have these huge banquets and invite strangers off the streets and oh man, that would be so cool. And yeah, it would. But we like to play that as the get out of jail free card so that we can almost neglect the rest of what the reading says. The author goes on and says, Remember those who are in prison. Okay, that's easy enough. We can remember folks who are in prison. But then he goes on to say, As though you 
are there with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. This element of hospitality that we are called to is something so much bigger than just simply sharing a space at the table. In fact, it actually takes this one step further and says, when you get up from the table to go forth to wherever you came from or wherever you are going, I'm willing to go there with you. We are called to accountability, to our identity as God's people. See, the fascinating thing about church is that we like to separate it away from the rest of the world. We almost put it into its own box. And that's not unique to one congregation or another. This is the way that the entire Christian church functions as an earthly body. We separate it. And so then we're the church people and the non-church people. And we talk about going out on mission and living your life on mission, and yet it's not as though you step forth through the doors of the building and suddenly you are someone else. You are who you are, and who God has uniquely created and gifted you to be. Which means that we are a body made up of broken people with broken backgrounds. And then Christ enters in and he builds us up into a holy body. We are brought up out of being stuck in and bound up by mixed up priorities. That's why the author in Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality. That's part of who we are. As Christ welcomes us into his family and around his table, so we are called to also do the same. But then he goes on and we get into this piece about those who are in prison and so on and so forth. Because you see, the way that our world works is that it runs on power and sex and money. Those are the top motivators that lead us into doing things that we should not do. That is where the devil likes to play. And so for that reason, it's all appealing. We like to be heard. Sex is great. And it'd be awesome if we had an endless amount of money and we could do whatever we wanted with it. 
You see, he says, visit those who are in prison. And it's easy to go, us and them, they are bad people, I am good people, and so on and so forth. And yet the reality is, is that we are all one decision away from being one of them. And then it's not an us and them, it's just a we. And we got issues. He says, let the marriage bed be honored and undefiled. The very first place that the devil works within Adam and Eve's relationship is for them to immediately identify the nakedness that they have for one another. Their differences, what sets them apart as man and woman. See, the intimacy of marriage means that great sex is intended to be for the benefit of your spouse before yourself. And see, as a culture, we get this flipped, we get it backwards. It's all about making sure that our needs as an individual are met, and then we turn around and then we can think about the other. And it's not unique to that aspect. It's true in almost every other of our life. You see, there's a reason that the devil plays on sex appeal. Because it works every single time. It's as old as creation and the fall itself. And so he likes to draw upon that which first divided us. The author of Hebrews continues and he says, be free from love of money and be content with what you have. See, we have this habit and I know I'm generalizing and speaking collectively, but it's just part of our human nature that we focus on taking care of those things and making sure that we actually, our brains are wired to go for the things that give us reward. And so we pursue money and stuff and we focus on getting it and then begins the work of keeping it. And it becomes an animal all on its own. But so interestingly enough, he talks about all of these things that eventually fade and pass away over time. They will eventually disappear into dust. And then he reminds us and says, but Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is the thing that never changes, never gives up, and never walks away. So do not be led away.
This is a call to accountability. To examine where our priorities as people lie. Because as he holds the lens up, he then also says, for we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. We own our wandering. So where do we look for the city that is yet to come? Where do we seek it out? Well, first and foremost, it begins as we dig deep into the Word of God. Which means that if you do not have a Bible, guess what? You've come to the right place because we can fix that problem for you. We can give it to you for free. And if you need help figuring out how to read it, or even how to digest it, ask. Because you're not alone in the struggle and we've got folks that gather together and would love to gather with you. We gather and we find the city that is to come when we look where Christ is found amongst the least of these. And guess what? Just so we're clear, we are all the least of these. We are all at the bottom of the pile. And He alone is at the top. So that means that we find it in the fellowship that God gives as we serve one another through grace and joy. But we find the city that is to come when we seek Him in His Father's house. When He comes before us with His means of grace through word and through sacrament, and He presents Himself for your benefit in real and tangible means. And he gives these sacrifices. As he calls us and says, do not neglect, do good, and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.